Welcome to the Understanding Jesus Podcast. I'm Pastor Troy Richards uh, here at First Baptist Church of Jackson, Missouri. And with me is Mr. Evan Federhoff. And Evan has invited someone to be with us today. Evan, introduce our guest. Hi, I'm Evan, and uh, I'm here with Noah Fitzpatrick. He's here. Um, so my friend's from the from the college. He's um, in a lot of the stuff we do. He's in our D group and our men's study on Friday mornings. So, uh, Noah, do you want to tell us anything about yourself? Um I am a uh, senior here at uh, Southeast Missouri State in Cape Girardeau. Mm-hmm. Um, I am uh, active in both uh, Lighthouse Ministry and as well as Ignite Campus Ministry. Love them both. I just love the community that is present, uh, all the loving guys that I have in my life. Um, I'm just uh, uh, building and shaping me, uh, just the, and helping me, and just holding me accountable, just the man that I am, that mm-hmm. God so perceives. Uh, and uh, desires for me to be. Um, I am from Labadee, Missouri. That is uh, just outside Washington, Missouri, in Franklin County. Uh, I pretty much lived my entire life in the St. Louis County area, but we moved out to Franklin County uh, back in 2016. Wow. Mm. I don't know any of those places, so I'm from Kentucky. So anyway, but but we are so glad to have you here today, Noah. And we have a great podcast ahead. We are going through, we have some passages of Mark we're going to pay attention to. Uh, We're going to look at the Psalms, at the Proverbs, flash around here and there. Leviticus. Uh, Yeah. And and we will answer questions from Leviticus and Mark and and, and really get us, I think, some very vibrant discussion about some of the things that the Word of God uh, shows us and reveals to us. So I hope you will stay with us. Go through the whole thing. Uh, We end with the questions and deal with some pretty important questions. So, um, and fasting is on the topic today so you might not uh some people may want to shy away from listening about fasting and, and levitical law that's right and we did not eat any food during the entire podcast so i guess you could say we fasted Does a little count? i'm not going to count energy drinks but uh <laughs> but no yeah <laughs> so anyway so anyway stick with us we got a great uh, podcast ahead here on understanding jesus We have a new ministry here at First Baptist Jackson. It's called Holy Grounds. We meet every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. and we have gourmet coffee available. Our own barista in-house. So we hope you'll come join us 9 a.m. Sunday mornings for Holy Grounds. From 9 to 9.15, we have a time of fellowship where we donuts and coffee. And then Bible study, always from some amazing Bible study. You can sit in the observation deck and just watch or you can participate. It's up to you. But come join us. Check it out. 9 a.m. Sunday mornings here at First Baptist Jackson. Well, it's that time we take a look at what we read in the scripture this week. We had a great week of scripture reading, and and we're each going to take a little bit of time to share with you what God sh- has shown us through the reading we had. And Evan, you're going to start us off. What what stuck out to you today? All right, this so week? I, yeah, I want to read out of uh, Mark three, so okay. verses thirty one to thirty five. So I'll go ahead and read that real quick. And his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they said to him, or they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking around at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. So um, I just want to highlight this section, because as as um, adopted sons and daughters of God, I, and um, as children of God, we too are his um, you know, mother, sister, and brothers. Um, respectively, and um, so, and I just wanted to highlight this and then discuss a couple other passages that talk about um, what it looks like to interact with our um, brothers and sisters in Christ, how how that looks, and, mm. and just kind of how all those things go together. So this is this is hopping out of our general section. I kind of did this last week too. No, okay, yeah. I, I'll, I'll try to be careful not to do it too much, but um, but I uh, I I really like this passage a lot. So. Anyway, I, I'm going to hop over to Acts real quick, and then I, at the end I'll get back to Matthew. Yeah. So Acts 2, 42 through 44 says, um, uh, and, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and the, and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, uh, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And then hmm. the next one I want to read is um, Philippians 2, 2 to 5. Um, real quick, we've got um that um wait yeah two two to five that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach 
uh, all the riches of assurance and understanding and the knowledge of, of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible um, knowledge. This is not the passage I want to read. Oh, well. It's <laughs> well, embarrassing. Know, well, it's a good passage, just the same. <laughs> it is but, a good passage. Yeah. yeah but, okay. Well, I don't know which one I was trying to read, but it wasn't that one. So, anyway, the last one, which I'm sure is the correct one, right. uh, 1 Peter 3, 8, and 9. So, um, so, finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, bro- brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless uh, for this, uh, for to this you were called, that you may, be, uh, may obtain a blessing. So, um, actually, I can read 10 as well. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So, really, I want to highlight verse 8 there. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. So, hopping back to Mark. So, so we have this example from Christ where, where he's talking about his mother and brother coming. And we see a couple different examples throughout the New Testament of, of where um, Jesus will say to, to leave, uh, you know, let, let the dead bury their dead. He right. tells the, the man to leave his dead father. We see a couple other examples where it talks about leaving our family somewhat behind, right? Right. And, Hating and, our father and a mother. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think the picture there is, is not that we, like, obviously the, the, all the way through the scripture we see different examples of loving our father and mother and things like right. that. So, mm-hmm. so obviously the, the Bible doesn't want us to dishonor our family and, and to, to absolutely just like wreck their life, you know, mm-hmm. intentionally. But, but it does tell us to turn away from that. And, and even within like the picture of marriage, it tells us to, to cleave ourselves from our, from our family um, mm-hmm. that was there before. So, mm-hmm. um, so Jesus in the same way here is telling us to, um, that our faith in our, our faith in him is more important. And, and for him, his time he spends with with his brothers and sisters in in him in God that that's more important than the um the relationship that he has with his with his biological family there um his his brother and his mother um so i i just want to highlight there that that we do have within the body of Christ we have this this um we have pictures all the way through the new testament i i wish i got the right philippians passage maybe i'll share that another day yeah. but um, but I, I think it's really, um, it's well, there's cool. a passage in verb that says everyone should look, not, uh, look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Is that where you were going with that or? I don't think so. Oh. No, it's a different, <laughs> it was a different passage. What I, were you, what was the gist of what you were trying to say? It, what it, was said? It, it actually was the opposite. So the other ones were talking about like what we should do uh-huh. and the passage in Philippians was what we shouldn't do. Yeah. I okay. might just have the wrong chapter. Okay. Um, but I'll, uh, I'll pull it up another day. Okay. Um, cool. so, but, um, cause I'm sure we'll hit something about brotherly love again, gotcha. but yeah. Um, all the passages I hit were after the one we're in, so maybe I'll hit it when we hit those spots. There you go. But um, but anyway, I I just I want to highlight here that that as as brothers and sisters in Christ and as a body of believers, um, here at First Baptist or or anywhere that we're at, we have um a body that shares together a bond that is greater than that of our our parents and of our our siblings, our 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 own children, things like that. So um, while we we absolutely should care about about the the lives of the people who are close to us, that are, that are our family. Um, it is important that we um, that we highly value the the relationships that we have with um, other believers. So. Hmm. You know, something stuck out to me when you were uh, was that uh, it was just a little obscure part in that passage where he was addressing the people and they were in a circle around him, and it made me think of how Andy Stanley always talks about how circles are better than rows. And I, I get uh, I I think it's just important when we visualize Jesus and. And the family that he has, that they were, they, that that is, I think that's a family dynamic, uh, like being around the table mm-hmm. as a family and sitting in around in a group and so forth. That uh, that's such an important part of small group ministry of discipleship and so forth. We get, uh, I think, in in teaching, there's two different types of approaches, and when you have the rows is when you have a person up front, and then people sitting in rows all facing forward to the mm. person being, and not that there's, it's a lecture, and so not that there's not a place for that, but I think real learning takes in place in when we're looking at one another in a mm-hmm. circle, and interacting with one another, where we can hear each other talking and sharing and so forth, and uh, and really that's, uh, that's, Jesus is establishing that this is my family, this is mm-hmm. what family is, right. is us connecting with us, sharing with us, breaking bed together, and all these different things, so mm. yeah, I like yeah. that passage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Noah, what did you have for us? Um, so I, uh, 
actually going back into the Old Testament. Ooh. Um, I found something. I kind of found two ties. Uh, well, one tie specifically from po- Proverbs ten, um, four through five, to Mark, um, the uh, twenty six through twenty nine. Basically regarding the parable of the growing seed. Uh huh. So Proverbs ten, uh. Four through verses four through five states, uh, and this is NIV version, of course. Uh, Lazy hands make for poverty, but diligent hands bring wealth. He who gathers crops in summer is a prudent son, but he who sleeps during the harvest is a disgraceful son. And even in the Old Testament at the time, that still just signifies how those who are faithful to God's word, if they don't make use of their time that God's blessed them with, and and spreading his word, right. then they're they're overall disgraceful. Um, and with that said, uh, going forward to Mark 4, uh, 26 through 29, um, thank you, uh, the parable of the growing seed states, uh, NIV version, of course, again, he also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, and then the full kernel in the head. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. So then again, just with uh, those few verses in Proverbs in relation to this, Jesus himself even proclaims that, you know, basically the word, over time it grows, Mm -hmm. and then it is, and obviously the harvest time has come. Um, So basically us now, the least we can do is, you know, do little efforts in spreading the word. Right. We don't have to go, obviously, like, full on and scare people off. But just the, the smallest thing of just planting that seed and watching how God uses that. Right. And to, and to bring people closer to him, it, it it's it's just rather significant. It is. It's absolutely significant. And we are... Uh, given the word, it, it, when we whenever we take the word of God out, and even as we're sharing it right now, it it uh, penetrates people's hearts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and lay and the of course Jesus given the parable of the sower talks about the different types of soil, which is the way our hearts receive the word. And some of sure. our hearts are hard, and some of our hearts are receptive, and then some have you know stony uh, ground inside where it, it it stays for a little bit, but then we lose it. Right. Some of us have uh, weeds and so forth that choke it out. Uh, but but I think that uh, the the main thing is is that while we can sow the word, the word does its work uh, that, that we don't right. have any power over. Once I once I've thrown the word of God out there, once I've shared it, uh, is it's God who does the. I mean, it's like when we sow seed, you know, a farmer going out and staring at the seed, you know, yelling at the seed, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. trying to convince the seed to grow or right. whatever. There's nothing you can do. It either grows or it doesn't grow. Right. Uh, I mean, you can. You can keep it from growing, but you can't make it grow. Right. And and that's such a, an, incredi- a, an important principle for us to know that it's not as much, what do I do to get these people to listen to me? It's, it's if, am I doing anything that's keeping them from hearing the word? Am I doing anything that's keeping uh, me from growing? It's the same way as a church. When your church isn't growing, you don't ask, how do we make it grow? You can't make it grow. God mm-hmm. makes churches grow. Absolutely. The question is, are we doing something that's keeping it from growing? Mm-hmm. Because you can't stop doing that. You can stop doing whatever it is you're doing that's keeping the church from growing. Right. And that's and so when you when you flip that around in your brain and you start to look at the things Jesus is saying, he's really saying, I'm not telling you what you need to do to make things work. I'm telling you what you're doing that's keeping it from working the way it's mm-hmm. supposed to. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and that changes everything uh, because Absolutely. now it's about. It's not about that I'm going out and I'm trying to, I'm going to make things happen. And so looking at the results going, oh, well, then he's saying, no, the, no, look, the, the if you'll just stop keeping it from growing, I'll make it grow. And then, then there's a harvest to reap. And if you don't mm-hmm. reap the harvest, well, then you lose the harvest. Mm-hmm. So, so that's, so the, the two, two parts of work that we have in, in, uh, that he's showing us is that we have the sowing part mm-hmm. and the reaping part. And, uh, and that's what he's entrusted to us. Uh, all the stuff in between is God does it himself. Absolutely. Very, very good. Uh, I wanted to look at Psalm 26. Uh, It's uh, from David, 
and uh, and it's uh, you know this is a section of Psalms. Uh, you know, you have the 23rd Psalm, 25th Psalm, in the 26th Psalm, 22nd Psalm. And I could describe each of those, but if you don't know what they are, then you should, you should be reading them. Just read them, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, but this is what Psalm 26 says. It says, Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity. I have also trusted in the Lord. I shall not slip. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my mind and my heart, for your loving kindness is before my eyes, and I have, and I, and I have walked in your truth. I have not sat with idolatrous mortals, uh, nor will I go in with hypocrites. I have hated the assembly of evildoers and will not sit with the wicked. Um, you know, I always read this and think, oh my goodness, he's so much better than me uh, when he does it. But then I realize it's David talking about it. Uh, and I think, oh, well, he's done a few things that weren't so good. Uh, and yet he paints him out to be so... Uh, himself to be such a great and wonderful person it seems like but really in this prayer of vindication uh he's really saying that this is this is our goal our goal our desire should be to walk in integrity with the lord uh through our trust in the lord when we walk in his truth and abide in his love we don't have anything to fear mm-hmm. when we are he's saying that uh when that when god called him to repentance he repented and and so now he's saying, God, you you said that you would protect me if I would follow you, and maybe I wasn't following you, but I am following you now. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, please now protect me from uh, my enemies. And Jesus makes it clear for us. He's like, it really isn't. Uh, it's really the enemy. There is an enemy uh, who has power over all the rest of of uh, you know the created order that is uh, that you know succumbs to him. And, uh, and so, so when we read, when we read the Psalms, really, uh, one a very helpful practice is when you, because there's a lot about hating my enemies and wishing them dead and wishing them, you know, and all these horrible things be smashed upon rocks or whatever. And you're like, that's a little bit. I don't know that I really want to pray that today. But if you if you'll think of it from a spiritual perspective, if you'll mm-hmm. think of it from in the spirit realm that uh, that there is an enemy that we are battling against principalities and powers and forces of darkness that really do want to take us down, that really do want to kill us, that, that we do have a reason to hate that spirit that is there. In, in the, and there are three elements of spiritual warfare in, in the spirit therein. There is the spirit of the world that is constantly, that has fallen. And so it's constantly harassing us. There's our own spirit that's fallen. And so it is constantly trying to draw us away from God and to destroy us. We're, we're mm-hmm. literally killing ourselves. And then uh, there's the spirit of the enemy, the devil, the Satan, the Antichrist, however you want to think of it. And all that, that spirit of the enemy of God is always trying to bring the destruction. And that, so that's our wars on those three fronts every day. And so he's saying, uh, Lord, I, I'm... I'm walking, you know my heart, you know that I desire to walk with you, you know that I got up this morning, like Paul says, I I do that which I don't want to do, and I don't do the thing that I want to do, and and that's how we are sometimes, he's like saying, I mean, there are always times in our lives when we feel like we get up in the morning, I really just want to serve God, and then everything just falls apart. It's like, God, I, I wanted to go to church today, and now my car won't start. And, you know, I wanted to be a part of this Bible study, and then, you know, there was this wreck on the highway, and I tried to get, you know, I left my car on the highway, and I ran to the Bible study, and then tripped and fell, and, you know, broke my leg or whatever, all these different things happening. And it seems like, God, are, are you working against me here? And and really, the, he's just saying, know my heart. I want to be where I need to be, and you see the forces at work against me. And he's saying, mm-hmm. I have trust in the Lord, and I won't slip. And, and the confidence comes in when we are being faithful. The flip of that is, is that when we are not uh, following Christ, when we are not, uh, when we've decided, mm, I think I'm going to just do whatever I want to do today, or I'm going to give in to this temptation, or I'm going to satisfy these desires that I have or whatever. Mm-hmm. Now I've lost this confidence in God because mm-hmm. now it's like, oh, now if something happens, goes wrong, my car breaks or whatever you know this it could be god working against me mm-hmm. uh instead of you know if my if my cable all of a sudden goes out you know if my if my if i get a bill that i didn't expect or whatever if my heart is not in the right place these things come into my life and i'm not sure is this just the enemy being mean to me or is this god allowing these things to happen to me because i'm not 
not walking in faith with him. And, and, and our, our minds, there's no peace there because I don't know the answer to those questions. I don't know what's happening. I don't, you know, a hurricane hits my house and it gets destroyed. And it's like, was well, because of the sin of my life or because it's just the enemy or whatever wreaking havoc and God's going to see me through it. Well, if I'm walking with God, I know the answer. Mm-hmm. God is with me. He's taking care of me. Sure, the hurricane took out my house, but my God is still my provider. He's watching over it. But if I'm not walking with the Lord, I don't have that confidence. I don't have that peace. I'm like, maybe he is telling, sending me a lesson or whatever. And so this is what the, the psalmist is saying. This is this is why you don't hang out with evildoers. This is why you 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 discipline your life to stay in the counsel of the Lord. But it's also important to remember that uh, I don't know if when you guys were kids, um, they warned you about getting into a van with a stranger oh, uh, yeah. or whatever. And uh, and what do strangers use to lure kids into a van? Oh, it has to be candy. It's candy. candy. And and they and there was a there was a this is probably before your time, but there was a news crew who did a little expose to see. Uh, they interviewed these parents and they said, "Would your kids get into a van?" Or go with a stranger oh, if they I've offered them candy. Yeah. yeah. And the parents were all said, no, never, absolutely. And then they, no they, they would get the and kids they every did time. It. Every single time the kids would do it. And But that's what the enemy does. He's mm-hmm. and, and he knows the candy that we will succumb to, even as adults. Uh, it's, right. I mean, that's worse for kids. But even all of and And the thing that he does, he's always watching and looking and, and, and trying to find what is the candy that I need in order to get you into uh, to lure you away from God and down a dark path, and in it is always something that's sweet to taste, and that's the reason why we we go with him because it's like oh my goodness that is so good, and we know that he and and if you know that there are things that you would be willing to compromise for, he absolutely knows that as well. He's been watching, paying attention, and so forth. And when we spend time, we have an enemy yeah. that's greater than than we are. Yeah, he's super smart yeah. and uh, and and super savvy. But uh, when we spend time in the company of those who feed their desires apart from the Lord, we begin to long or even lust uh, for the objects of their desire. Uh, that's why we, if when you you and I spend time with people who don't love God, who don't follow God, we we will tell ourselves sometimes, but they're good people, and I'm just trying to be a good influence for them. Mm-hmm. But after a while, when they are, you know, if they are, I'm just trying to use an example. Say they drink and you don't drink. You hang with them over and over and over again. They're constantly, they're, they may not even be telling you. They may be respecting the fact that you don't drink. Mm-hmm. But they're, but the fact that they love it and enjoy it or whatever is eventually is wearing away at your own uh, barrier there that you've built in your life. Well, well consider yeah. that if, if their life is is riddled with sin in some yeah. ways. So let's say let's say it's drunkenness like you. Yeah. Makes it, and I, not just drinking but drunkenness as yeah. well. And and um, let's say that's just something that they that they love. You know, a couple nights out of the week and just just wasted, right? Right. Um. They um. They if their life is riddled with sin that way blatantly. Um, how much of their life otherwise is is riddled with sin? Yeah. So our culture becomes like their culture. While yeah. we while we may draw the line somewhere very clear, say I just won't even have a single drink. I'll yeah. I'll, I'll I'll cut it off. I'll be good to go, and I'll be safe. Yeah. And but then but then where is where does it stop otherwise? Is right. our life all of a sudden going to look like like they maybe they lie all the time? Yeah. All of a sudden we start to say white lies yeah. constantly. Or well, homosexuality is a huge part. Yeah. I mean our culture because our culture yeah. is constantly it's because it's not just saying. Hey, we are, think it's okay, and we think they do not say we think it's okay that you don't think it's okay. Mm-hmm. They don't think it's okay that we don't think it's okay. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. it's a constant. Uh, the, where I think more people would respect the fact that you don't drink than if you had an issue with, uh, with than you thinking homosexuality is yeah. a sin. Well, and, and the idea of uh, like neutrality is yeah. It, like I, I've been watching a lot of videos and, and studies over the sin neutrality, like right. what it looks like to um, to sit and say. I'm okay with you thinking that, but I'm uh, I over here will just stay in my zone. Right. And and as Christians, our job is to proclaim the gospel. But for us to have a, new, a neutral setting right. on any sin means that we we are effectively okay with it. And, right. Yeah. I mean, you can't. I mean, if God says it's wrong, right. And you don't affirm that it's wrong. Right. Uh, and it's not that I hate you because of it. I mean, so I think that's not what that we hate the person, but right. the, but the sin is. Is, well, we have to believe it is a sin, yeah. and, and you have to say uh, you have to say yes, that is wrong. If it's imperfect and displeasing to God, it's a sin. I had a guy. I was in a Sunday school class years and years ago, uh, where uh, the um, uh, the Sunday school teacher said, "Here, here are the times when it's okay to steal." And I, <laughs> I heard him say it. And I'm like, 
and I, I remember standing up, which is weird because I don't ever stand up, but it was so egregious. I stood up and I go, no, <laughs> I said, it, it, I said, that's an, that's an absolute. It is never right to steal. And I, I don't know whether he was getting his moral compass from Aladdin, but uh, it was mm-hmm. like it, it, the word of God says, thou shalt not steal. And well, there are no exceptions. There are mm-hmm. times when we are show mercy and grace because, you know, to recognize that that person's been stealing because they were hungry and went for food. But mm-hmm. even in the word, it says that, yeah, if you were stealing for food or whatever, you, you know, you're not going to die for it, get your hand cut off, but you're going to restore what you took. Yeah, and, it, and, and recognize Robin, it was wrong. It's the Robin Hood idea. That yeah. where, where it's okay. But we do that. We but it's biblically, it's not right. Yeah. And so we, we have to, and that's what I'm saying. Yeah. The Robin Hood idea and all the other things, those are, that's, that's how the enemy comes in. Right. And when we keep company with people who do not have the word, this is the key. It's not, do they live good lives? It's, mm. is the word of God, their compass is the word of God, mm. the foundation for their belief system. And if it isn't, then they're going to have a foundation that is not based on God's word that's going to lead you astray. That means the enemy has acted. If the word of God is not, if well, let me just say this. If they're not transformed by the Holy Spirit, if they've not been made new, if they've not been regenerated by God, then the enemy has access to them and is trying to gain access to you through them. So when you keep company with people who haven't been changed by the Holy Spirit and do not have your defenses up, and recognize that they are being controlled by the enemy. Then enemy is is it's the stranger in the van, and, yeah. and well, you don't and, recognize him. And I I think our our audience probably is in agreement on these things. But if we if we think of the issue of homosexuality, I mean, right. how many assumptions have been made within that group? I mean, their they their flag is called the pride flag. I mean, pride is something that we're told is a is a it's sin, a sin. Yeah. and mm-hmm. it's probably one of the most difficult sins to identify. Yeah. And I I mean I. That can be debatable, but but I think it's it's at least difficult for me to identify at times yeah. in my own life, and it's really easy to hide. And when um, we teach our new members class, we we give them 26 signs of pride as yeah. based on scripture. Yeah. So, but I think it's difficult. I yeah. I mean the the more time I spend paying attention to pride in my own life and other people's lives, it's hard to identify, but but it is obvious and it's so hard to kill. It's and, easier to identify when you are steady. St- constantly in the word of God. Yes. The word of God will point out areas of pride in your life. Absolutely. And, so, and, yeah. and then um, another issue similar to that, just what you're saying is um, like the issue of abortion. And I, yeah. I, I know I've, I'm canceling myself twice here, but, <laughs> but, um, but with the issue of abortion, like, like we okay it by making situations that are acceptable for that to happen. Right. Say, say that, um, you know, this happened to this woman. So then, all of a sudden, it's okay for that to happen, or yeah. she's which is too, called relativism. Yeah, yeah, too young, or 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 she's in control of her own body. That, I think that one's maybe a step farther than most Christians would say it's okay. But yeah. but um, but we try to find situations in which we, things are acceptable. All yeah. of a sudden, and it's the same thing with what you were talking about, where where we've tried to create exception areas. Yeah, so. and and just one more thing on that, and it is I want to talk about two things: television and and smartphones. Television and smartphones give give the world access to put us in a conversation with the world in our most vulnerable times. Right. And when we are when you're watching TV, understand that the people who are creating those programs and the people who are writing those stories and so forth are writing those stories, trying to promote a worldview that is contradictory to yours. If you have a biblical worldview, right. sometimes you'll recognize that there's a biblical worldview at work. It is extremely rare. Most of the time, it's a worldview that is is straight from the world, mm-hmm. and uh, and they are trying to trying to persuade you through entertainment and media mm-hmm. to say, look, this is not such a bad thing. This is this is the way you should be thinking, mm-hmm. and it's very effective. Right. And then you have a smartphone that give that give you access to all the people of the world. And so the communications you're having on social media, the people you're talking to, the videos you're working on TikTok, if you just start and think, is, or, you know, what is the source of the thought process behind mm-hmm. what I'm watching, behind mm-hmm. the conversations taking place? Where is their foundation? Is it in the Word or is it not in the Word? Most of the time, if you're not talking to people or, or who are in the Word, mm-hmm. then it's going to, then they are, then the enemy is used. And the battle, is, it's not the people you're looking at. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not Harrison Ford. It's not, mm-hmm. you know, Kevin Costner or Julia mm-hmm. Roberts. It's not them. 
it's the power it's the principalities and powers that get trying to gain access through them and if they aren't themselves fighting that battle then and, and we don't always fight i mean even right. if they're good 90 percent of the time and i'm not gonna say they are but even if they were yeah. uh that 10 percent if they mm-hmm. get that gets through and mm-hmm. and those things are 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 you know once it's recorded and repeated it, their worldview may have completely changed since then yeah, you know right. well and that's why the, the bible is so important yeah. um to be in god's word right so we actually understand the source of right. of what is good um and we understand um, God's character through His Word, and we actually know Him. And I'm not saying to you know to throw your TV yeah. out. I've I've been down that path. I've thrown my TV out. I used to have a deacon who said, "Are you about done with your TV again?" So because he was says, I, "I need a new one," uh, because we would constantly give our TV away. Yeah. But uh, but that doesn't solve the problem, mm-hmm. you know, because you still are looking for those avenues of media yeah. and so forth. And but but I'm saying that when you do watch it, when you do to understand that the adversary is in it. And yeah, so that mm-hmm. you're that you have that spiritual armor on that you are that you're guarding yourself for the truth and you and you say that's not of God that's not mm-hmm. of God that's not of you know that's yeah, not of God. especially right. yeah. if you're watching with your children and, and right. I think you should watch with your children I think you should and you should point out just pause the TV which you can surely you live in an era mm-hmm. where you know how to right. do that where you can pause right, whatever yeah. it is you're watching and go okay I just wanted to point out that is not what we believe that is not of God and here's why yeah right yeah. Well, I think. Uh, Sorry, you, you, go you got it, man. I've okay. talked a lot. Uh, you're good. Um, I had a Bible verse that, just in regard to everything we've been talking about, mm-hmm. um, just with the world and just the evilness that's behind it, in Proverbs, uh, uh, just before chapter 10, and 9, uh, 13, through the rest of the chapter to verse 18, uh, Folly is an unruly woman. She is simple and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house on a seat at the highest point of the city, calling out to those who pass by, who go straight on their way. Let all who are simple come to my house. Those who have no sense, she says, stolen water is sweet, food eaten in secret is delicious. But little do they know that the dead are the dead are there, and her guests are deep in the realm of the dead. So basically, um, you know, the media or yeah. just really just unholy people are just there, you know, just... And just like you know, at the door. Right. Yeah, stand, yeah, and just like showing them like, oh, how their lives are just so like simple, you know. Yeah. Simple can you know, obviously is rooted in evil uh, yeah. in this context, and and it just literally it just shows that how people can be easily deceived and yeah. led astray. Praise upon our foolishness. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. For sure. So I, I'll say one last thing. I'll let you. Yeah. Respond go ahead. If you want. But I I think we have to consider the assumptions that are being made within the within. The, the TV as well, right? Um, mm-hmm. With our media, that that it's easy to. I've kind of already said this, but but whenever we look at the TV and we watch the things that are on there, um, it's so easy to pl- point out blatant sin that that anyone even outside the church knows is sin. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So many times I talk to people at at the campus, and somebody will say, "Is this a sin?" And somebody that's not even a Christian will say, "I'm not a Christian, but I know that's a sin because I I know what I know <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I know what sin is to a certain right. extent. They they at least have a little bit of the culture built into right. our our culture, or or they'll know. Um, I mean, the Bible says that the word of God is written on every man's heart, so that mm-hmm. so there are there are ways that they know this is wrong, this is iniquity, and right. this is not to be lived in. Right. And so, whenever we see those, even the world knows things to be wrong. I mean, right. the Bible tells us that, and that 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 even the world can say that's wrong. We know that's wrong. It, even if they partake in it, they can still say that's wrong and, and right. it's not of Christ. And so when we look at stuff, those are clear. But um, and Paul says this, you know, he says um, in a couple of different passages, like I, you know, these you've thrown away, but these I can still count you as right. fault. Mm-hmm. And and then he lists off some stuff. And and so whenever we look at stuff on the on media, we have to consider the things that we have ignored and set back and said, uh, like the like the pride thing, where yeah. where. Where we know homosexuality is wrong, but then we okay pride because because the there's been an assumption made that right. that that is that is required already. Right. And then the the homosexuality is like, yep, that's wrong, easy, like like that, clear in scripture. We can say that's clear as day. Right. That's wrong. There's no question about that. But then when when the things of pride or the things of 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 um the things that are just blatant um fruit of the fruit of sin. Right. Um. Then we we see that in yeah, and sometimes we just don't identify them. Right. So we have, so we have to recognize those as well. So. Right. And and you're right. We when we do focus on things that what we would see are easy for us, mm-hmm. uh, and easy for the world, and um and if we don't, uh, what we tend to do is we navigate to condemn that which we do not participate in. Right. 
and don't pay attention to the things that are it's the plank in our own eye. Yeah, you know, the hypocrisy. And the, yeah, yeah and, so, and, and that's why the world has struggles to believe anything we have to say is right. because we're not confessing. I think that's one of the neat things about the revival in Asbury. And, and really, if you look at the the crux of where revival starts, revival begins when, uh, when judgment begins with the house of God. And that's when the people of God begin to uh, confess and admit Look, this is this is where I've messed up. Mm-hmm. This is where I've gone wrong and gone astray. And I just want to that that's where real revival. And I think uh, where people say, oh, my goodness, he's not saying he's better than me. He's saying he's just as challenged as I right. am. You know, mm-hmm. so, yeah. Well, thank you guys for sharing. I appreciate it. we're going to take some time for some questions. So we'll be right back after this break. If you would like to learn more about the ministry here at First Baptist Jackson, we have a class that's specially for you. It's called Basics, where we teach all the basic foundational things about being a part of our church, what our church is about, where it came from, where we are, where we're going, and how you fit in to God's plan here at First Baptist Church in Jackson, Missouri. If you're interested in being part of the Basics class, all you have to do is contact our church. You can contact us at office at fbcj.us. That's office at fbcj.us. Send us an email, and we would be glad to set up a time for us to have that class with you. We'll make a special time. We'll provide child care, but we need to hear from you. So if you're interested in taking the basics class, please contact us at office at fbcj.us. We're going to take a moment to answer a few questions here at the end of our Understanding Jesus podcast. So, Evan, throw throw question numero one. Okay. Sorry. Here I'm, it comes. You got it. I'm in the wrong book. Okay. 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 Um, Again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, earlier when I was trying to read out of Philippians, I was reading out of Colossians. Colossians. So, yeah. it makes for a good time. That's so, right. So, my question is, um, in Mark two, starting in Mark 2.18, we see a passage discussing fasting or the lack thereof from the disciples. Uh-huh. Um, so should we, and how can we biblically fast today? Would you like me to read that passage? No, just what, what do you, what do you think about, what do you think about fasting? What's your take? So I, I, I think it is commanded for us to do, mm-hmm. um, to fast and pray that, um, that we should be earnestly in prayer. If we mm-hmm. take prayer seriously, then, um, then it's important to do that. I, I think there's an aspect of sober mindedness within fasting, um, yeah. and of, of, um, training ourselves to, to, um, view, God as great, um, right. as the great us. And right. um, so whenever we see um, something like food, I mean, we, we know that we need food for, for right. to sustain. But um, but in the Bible, you know, that Jesus tells us he's the bread of life. He's the living water. Right. So the things that we need, God or Jesus effectively says, I can replace those things. Right. Um, but spiritually. So whenever we fast, we're removing the physical need and replacing it with a spiritual need that we have there. Yeah. Um, but I. I uh, I want to get your take on fasting as well. Well, I, I think that uh, one, it's I think it's just clear that the Bible never takes a, that says that fasting is bad. I think the part that people struggle with is think, well, it doesn't really say a lot about how it should be done or what it should what it should take place. Well, we do know these things. We know that it says when you do fast that you're not supposed to um, make it look like you're fasting. You're not mm-hmm. supposed to look. You know, you're supposed mm-hmm. to try to hide it as well as you can because right. it's between you and God. Right. It's only praying in your closet. You shouldn't uh, be doing it to be get the praise of people or whatever i think in our, our culture today that uh, it, it, it if you've ever read a book on um don whitney has a great book on spiritual disciplines oh yeah uh and uh and and charles uh david foster david foster I, right? i've read the yeah, don, don whitney is that his name yeah and I there's another there's another one called celebration discipline but it was written by someone who was a quaker uh and uh, it's very good uh, but it it goes extensively about fasting. But in both those books, uh, talking about the spiritual discipline, I think it talks about you know one, go to your doctor, make sure it's not a health concern or anything, because it's not it's not something you just do blindly. Uh, a 40 day fast without food and water will kill you. If it's, I mean they were there, it's called a supernatural fast. I mean Moses did it, but it was something that God would have had to have sustained him in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, anyway, that but so beyond that, I think uh, fasting is. Uh, some people say, well, I've been fasting from reading books or fasting from you know watching tv or whatever uh, fasting literally is is giving up food and yeah. the word breakfast is when we break our fast and so forth the idea is and I, and now intermediate fasting is is the rage as far as uh, it's a weight loss uh or a healthier yeah. way to be things so it, it, there's a health part of it the key is what you just said the key is that i that i have a natural desire to eat 
and I am suppressing that natural desire. And every time that natural desire wells up, I am uh, where where Jesus said, you know, the man of God does not man does not live by bread alone. Uh, he is saying that we we are we are showing uh, that I am I am not going to just give in. I am going to have control over my body and not let my body's desires control me. Right. It is giving the opportunity, it's flexing the muscle of the Holy Spirit inside your life. It's mm-hmm. it's saying, I am going to, uh, the, one of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control, and I'm demonstrating the self-control by not giving in to this desire to eat. And especially difficult in our world today, because you've got uh, Burger King, McDonald's, Taco Bell, all these signs, uh, all advertising food, all advertising uh, com- commercials, looking at food and so forth, things that they did not have to endure mm-hmm. in the age that Jesus was in. Uh, they didn't have such opportunity for it, but it's also representative. They didn't have the opportunity to sin on so many levels that we have today. Right. Mm-hmm. So fasting helps, again, to exercise that muscle a little bit of self-control to say, if you can't keep from eating those Krispy Kreme donuts, then you're going to have trouble with a lot of things that are in your life today. So that's, mm-hmm. I think it is a a, a worthwhile discipline uh, and uh, and taking time, I think, in your church and uh, maybe with your pastor, uh, in your discipleship group or whatever of talking about here, what would be some ways to do that, uh, to kind of find a healthy way to do it, but not... Not crazy radical forty days, but a one day fast won't uh won't I mean if you're diabetic, obviously there's issues there, so you uh, have to be careful. I have a follow up question. Yeah. Um so it, is there a an element of fasting in which we're um fighting the um fighting food as an idol? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean I well I think I mean I think we're fighting uh, I like, mean, I don't know that we're worshiping food. I mean, obviously that could be that if you do worship food, it will come out when you are fasting. And mm-hmm. and one of the things that God reveals in in these uh, times of uh, is he it's like when Jesus was fasting. That's when he was the most vulnerable to the enemy on other areas. Now he didn't succumb because he's Jesus, but you and I might and so he's gonna it, it, it will rock, yeah. it'll show whether you have a problem with anger it'll show whether you have a problem with uh lying or cheating or stealing or right. lust or whatever because you typically when when you're denying yourself something that you really your body is craving and you start to hurt as a result of that and you will hurt uh that is like literal pain and uh and so it's you'll struggle in the other areas that you'll struggle in the other areas yeah. too and and so it's how do i remain how do i keep a sunny disposition even in, in in this voluntary thing, and and think of spiritual disciplines are kind of like train, you know, a, a, it's like practice. Like if you play basketball, uh, you you don't just jump into a game. You've taken hours and hours and hours and days and weeks and years of training to prepare for these. I mean, Olympic Olympic athletes are training for years to have yeah. for one moment, for like maybe one minute of yeah. of sports, uh, you know, of challenge. I said, and that's and that's kind of the way uh, the spiritual disciplines are, fasting included, is you're really preparing for when that when the game hap- the mm-hmm. the challenge comes that you may not even know when it's going to come. Right. Uh, yeah. So anyway, no, good question. Yeah. So my second question, yeah. um, and we can hit this less hard, I guess, if you want. Yeah. Um, so Jesus heals a man with a demon in Mark five. Uh-huh. Is this something that we should be considering deeply, and how should we address things like demon possession now? Uh, you know, I I think demonology and and all the people who spend a lot of time talking about demons, uh, obviously if they're they're very much, I think the question that comes is why are there so many demons in the New Testament? We don't ever hear about demons today, and uh, one is is that we don't describe demons today as they did then. We have other names for it, but to remember that the uh, in the same way that we will give, we'll say, you see that rainbow? God made that rainbow. And you see that? Oh, did you see how that card barely missed me or whatever? Thank you, God. We'll say that all the time. Thank you, God, for, you know, saving me in this particular moment or for mm-hmm. passing this test or for all these different things that are or, or making my cold symptoms go away or whatever. We'll right. give God credit for all these things. Uh Rightfully so, because a lot of, because God's sovereign, He's over the world. Mm-hmm. But we also have to be aware that a lot of things that are happening uh, that are evil are influenced by the demonic, right. and and so we just don't give credit to them like they did in a person who is um, you know who's maimed or not speaking correctly. We'll say it's a disability or whatever, but we won't even venture to think that the demonic is is what is creating this uh, circumstance or whatever. But 
uh, because we can't see what's happening. We 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 address the world in the physical realm. And so, mm-hmm. say for instance, you're stru- you have some type of impediment. Uh, while we you know it's your brain doing this or whatever, blah blah blah. We have some type of explanation. Doctors are trying to figure it out. You got pain in your back or whatever, and you can't get rid of the back pain or whatever. We go to the doctors, can't figure it out, whatever. You know, you, and you put and we so we put names on it. So it's like it's this condition or that condition, and this is what's causing it. But um, it absolutely could be the enemy. And so when you're praying to God, say, God, would you rectify this? What we can't see is perhaps God is sending his his messengers, his angels, to fight against uh, these demons who are the ones who are actually creating this oppression and pain through the physical realm you know, uh, that they're manipulating right. to cause you the pain. Right. I can't see any of that happening. Uh, they were much quicker to believe and understand that because they didn't think they were as smart as we think we're smart. That's right. And uh, and that's uh, we're puffed up in our own knowledge and so forth. Yeah. But we still are ignorant of the spiritual realm and uh, and and the the powers that be that manipulate such things. We we live in a very naturalistic world, and so the the world is not going to say, oh yeah, that's probably demonic. Uh, we can and and should, uh, but uh, but but that's on our account. So. Good? Yep. Okay. I wonder just one thing before we leave. One question I had from Leviticus, uh, and it's in Leviticus chapter 20. It says, And the person who turns to mediums and familiar spirits to prostitute himself with them, I will set my face against that person and cut him off from his people. Consecrate yourselves, therefore, and be holy, for I am the Lord your God, and you shall keep my statutes and perform them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. To For everyone who curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. He has cursed his father or his mother. Uh, his blood shall be upon him. The man who commits adultery with another man's wife, he who commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. Now, that's all one passage. That's Leviticus 26 through 10. But in that passage, you have multiple things that are happening. You have, one, uh, someone who consults mediums, someone who disobeys their parents, and another person who commits adultery. If you look in the Old Testament, Saul consulted mediums, and God carried out the punishment, did cut him off from his people. And right. so he was removed from king. But David had a man killed, committed adultery, had a man killed. And uh, and David's uh, children, uh, you know, as far as had uh, his son cursed his father and mother. None of these things were done to them. They're, I mean, it says right here, it says in the law that their blood shall be upon them, that they shall be uh, put to death. Yet David wasn't put to death. So the question is, uh, that should have asked if you didn't think of it. Uh, why did God not put him to death? Why did God not kill David? Why did God allow him to continue to live? And there's actually, and, and some people say, because God showed him mercy. Well, the problem with that is, is then, so God chooses, picks and chooses. So is God a respecter of persons because David's king, because David's special? Or, uh, but, or is he unjust? Or is, yeah, yeah. So, so is God unjust? And the reality is, is when you look closer to law, here's what it says. He says when about the person who turns to mediums and familiar spirits, God says, I myself will set my God against a face against that person and cut him off from his people. God literally says, I myself will take action on anyone who does this. In the other part where he says to consecrate yourself, he commands his people to enforce the law. Two things, though, were necessary if you look at the greater law of Leviticus. In order to be convicted of sin, you had to have two witnesses to say that this person committed this act before they were to be executed. There were no witnesses to David. There were no witnesses to David's sin. Uh, and uh, and so uh, Nathan, uh, God revealed the sin to Nathan, but still that's one witness. Even if you count that, even though it doesn't qualify under Levitical law, even if you counted that, it's still just one witness. So there was no ability to carry out the law, even though God knew he was guilty. God set laws in place, and and just think about think about if we took the perspective of uh, that God says I will kill everybody who violates the law. Well, there'd be none of us, <laughs> you know, we'd all be gone. Uh, but, but He's saying mm-hmm. within the societal order that I've set, if you commit adultery and there are two witnesses, the society should condemn the act, and then you should be executed. That was the law. Now we aren't under that law today, uh, but uh, we but we are. Uh, still held to that, but that's just the level of judgment that's going to be held against us. It is wrong, and there's an eternal punishment, but he's saying within the function, he always says, at the end of time, I will hold you responsible for your works, uh, And but right now, in societal law, 
in order for you to continue to be, if society becomes aware of the act that you've done, then you are to be convicted and there is a punishment that is to be carried out. But we don't carry out the punishment if we do not have the evidence to support the conviction. That's the nature of the world in which we live. When yeah, Jesus, our, our courses himself, just the same way. Yeah, exactly. It was based upon the yeah, Judeo-Christian right. law. And so when, when God returns, in, in the, what the Pharisee is, when the king returns, he sets up his court. And so God's saying when, he, when Jesus returns, he will sit in the white throne of judgment, and he will judge everyone righteously. Everyone right. who's, a man has done his judgments in this course of this life, but he will judge righteously. And so David will be held accountable for sin. We all will be held accountable for sin. And this is where it, Jesus becomes very important mm-hmm. because Jesus said, I am taking your punishment for you, that through my blood being shed up on the cross, I am being, I am the, uh, you're going to be judged guilty, but if you'll put your faith in me, then I will take your punishment for you so that when the judgment occurs, if when God looks and says, oh, you are guilty, but I've already punished Jesus in your stead. So that's why we that we're not getting off scot free. It's just that Jesus has already taken our death for us. Right. So that's why we're and then through grace gives us life, makes us heirs, mm-hmm. something we're completely undeserving of. Which is why salvation is such a a big thing. Right. When you really realize that I have been I have been set free. So, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, but yeah the but when you are but there is there is a type of sin. There is a blasphemy against the Holy Spirit in which we reject Christ and we reject God and we go away from him, yeah, then you are going to be punished for all eternity for that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so don't don't ever, uh, the, the key answer to this question is when you're reading Leviticus, don't ever think that God doesn't maintain and hold to his law. He does. It has to be, he is a just God. He will hold and maintain his law. He had, and, and Jesus is the fulfillment of that and the satisfaction of his wrath. So right. anyway, that's all the time we have for questions today, but thank you for joining us here on this understanding. Thank you, Noah, for being here today. Thank you. Come thank back you anytime. We enjoy having you. So yeah. uh, we uh, will be back uh, soon. In fact, next week uh, for another Understanding Jesus podcast. <laughs>